Good morning, everyone. So lots of people very helpfully told me this morning to, um, to just be myself. And so I'm just going to let you know that right now myself is a, a hot mess. <laughs> but um, we'll do this together. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Alice. Um, I've been part of St. Catherine since I moved to Dublin, which is almost eight years ago, via Galway and originally from Armagh. And I come here along with Jamie, my husband. Today we're beginning a three-part series called Christmas Uncluttered. And it's an opportunity to reimagine the next few weeks and the busyness of Christmas by embracing the practices of silence, simplicity and generosity. And I'm going to talk specifically about making room for silence. And I hope to keep this simple and short enough as we've had a full morning already. And also, I'd like to, if, if, you, if you don't mind, literally end by practicing what we preach and having a short time of silence. So I hope you're all ready to get nice and awkward together. <laughs> I'm joking, it's gonna be great. Um, so we will finish with four or five minutes of quiet, which I'll explain more about at the end. Also, I will refer to a number of scriptures throughout, all of which will be on the screen. So feel free to just read them there rather than flipping through. So where are you missing Emmanuel? As we reflect on making room for silence in the season of, of Advent, of waiting for Emmanuel, this is the question that I want to pose to us. And I have a dear friend, Kathy Allwood, who is a spiritual director, and she describes what she does as helping people to see where they are missing God. And I love that. And that's what I have found silence to be as well, a way to still ourselves for long enough to see where we're missing God in the hustle and bustle of our everyday lives. So as we approach this idea of Christmas uncluttered, you might find yourself where I do, which is, it's already game over. <laughs> the next few weeks are full to bursting. And so I want to pose this question, where are you missing Emmanuel? Um, and I want to pose it the way your father who loves you would pose it, not as criticism, not as judgment, but as an invitation. An invitation to silence, to building, quiet moments in the weeks that lie ahead. I'm also going to talk about how this invitation to silence is an invitation to awakening to the reality of Emmanuel, God with us over the next few weeks. An invitation to waiting and surrender so that, so that he can help us unclutter or perhaps even reorder our days. This morning we have just been remembering Graham and I'm going to continue that a little bit through this reflection by using, with permission, some of his words from the funeral he wrote, or from the sermon he wrote for his funeral. I had the great privilege of contributing to that in a small way, and so it really is a great privilege to stand here today and be able to share some of it again with you, his beloved family at St. Catharines. And if you'll allow me a quick aside about Graham, the, the privileges and the opportunities that he often afforded me usually felt like this, in that they pushed me wildly beyond the bounds of my comfort zone. Um, and I know a few Joneses like that. 
Um, but I do remain profoundly grateful that he did that and for the things that he saw in me that I did not see in myself and how he called that out. And I know I am not unique in that. I know that he did that for lots of people. And so, where are you missing Emmanuel? On the first Sunday of every month since September, I have been meeting with a group of women to reflect on the I Am passages from the Gospels. And by that I mean the passages where Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and the true vine. And so this is my most recent experience in spiritual disciplines, including silence. And so because I felt called today to share from my heart instead of my head, which would always be my preference, my head, I wanted to share some of my personal journey with this exercise with you this morning as we look at silence and Advent. With the group of women, we are the first four I am's in. So that's the bread of light, the light of the world, the gate, and the good shepherd. And every month we're encouraged to take the passage away, to sit with it in silence and solitude, if possible, contemplating on it, meditating it, and maybe even memorizing it. I have yet to manage memorizing it. And so with the first two I am's, the bread of life and the light of the world, one of the things that struck me the first time was the word never. So in John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in sitting with these passages, I find myself asking, if I know Jesus, if I know Emmanuel, God with us, why am I so hungry? And why do I sometimes feel so thirsty? And why is it sometimes so dark? And if I'm honest, when I started this exercise in September, I was shocked to find how numb I was. We were asked what we would like from the experience, and the first thing that came to my mind was, I'd like to feel awake, awake to myself and to God. And perhaps you can relate to that. Life, especially at times like this at Christmas, can do that to us. The hustle and bustle and busyness means we're always reacting. We're never taking a moment to breathe deep and to tap into where our head and heart is and find out where we really are, what, how we really feel and proactively decide what's next. We become numb and we miss Emmanuel. Eugene Peterson's translation of the verses that follow in the light of the world passages in John 8 sum this up. He says, you're tied down to the mundane. This is Jesus speaking. I'm in touch with what is beyond your horizons. You live in terms of what you see and touch. I'm living on other terms. I told you that you were missing God in all of this. When we are numb, we miss Emmanuel, but silence awakens us. And this has been my experience, sitting with God without words and without agenda and letting his spirit settle all the whirling, swirling, clamoring and crowding thoughts long enough to see and feel what's really going on, even if it is a pang of hunger or a parch of thirst that I would far rather stay numb to. In her book, Invitation to Silence and Solitude, a very good book to read if you would like to explore this practice more, 
Ruth Healy Barton describes this experience as a jar of river water all shaken up. What you need is to sit still long enough that the sediment can settle and the water can become clear. Silence does that. Silence awakens us to Emmanuel. Silence is the safe space to experience the reality of God with us. To see the good things, how he is changing us, healing us, restoring us, and also to feel the hunger and thirst, to look the darkness square in the face and name it in the glow of the light of life. But what about the nevers? Why not always be awakened to growth and healing and goodness? Why the hunger, thirst, and darkness in the first place? And we are in Advent, the word that literally means coming. We are in a season of waiting where we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I came across this quote from a woman I don't know, Gail Boss, but I loved it on what waiting in the darkness looks like. She says, Advent to the Church Fathers was the right naming of the season when light and life are fading. They urged the faithful to set aside four weeks to fast, give, and pray, always to strip down, to let the bared soul recall what it knows beneath its fear of the dark, to know what Jesus called the one thing necessary, that there is one who is the source of all life, one who comes to be with us and in us, even and especially in darkness and death one who brings a new beginning. So silence is awakening and silence is waiting. And that's what this season is. Silence is stopping long enough to let the bird soul recall what it knows beneath its fear of the dark. And what is that? What is it that we know beneath our fear of the dark? That we are a people waiting. Waiting for the kingdom of God that is both already among us, as Jesus has said, and that we continue to pray for. We say, thy kingdom come. And in Advent, we are not waiting on the baby Jesus, but everything his miraculous birth began. And if you want to think more on that, on the incarnation um, and how we have sanitized it, I really encourage you to listen to Sam's talk from the 23rd of November. But Jesus' birth heralded the reign of God on this earth. He was God's truth breaking into all of our hunger, all of our thirst, all of our darkness. And this is how Graham summed it up in his sermon. For us, Emmanuel, God with us, is a comfort in the pain and enables us to live between two worlds or two perspectives or attitudes, however you would describe it. On the one hand, there is the world which, which says our story equals anxiety, hopelessness, loss, instability. And on the other hand, there is the kingdom of God on earth, which declares that there is hope, peace, freedom, breakthrough, joy, and always love. It is a choice and often a battle to live from a place of victory rather than defeat. It is not to say that our painful emotions don't exist or can be easily brushed aside. They are real human emotions. But it is choosing to say, the kingdom of God as revealed in Jesus Christ on earth, 
is revealed in Jesus Christ on earth, and there is another way to live, even in the midst of suffering. This is kingdom life. The waiting, the spiritual disciplines of this way of life, they ask us to live in the tension and the truth of hungering when we know what it is to be filled. Thirsting when we know what it is to have our thirst fully quenched. Enduring darkness when we are the people who have seen a great light. It is also, as Graham described it, a beautiful and at times devastatingly beautiful way to live a flourishing life. And Richard Rohr describes this kingdom life, this coming to silence, to Advent, to Emmanuel, as deliberate emptiness or chosen unfulfillment, always acknowledging that there is more, always acknowledging that the kingdom is both already here and coming. He says, our task in this world is to live with open hands, with emptiness so that there is room for a coming, so that there is room for something more. Silence is waiting on Emmanuel, open-handed, with deliberate emptiness so that there is room for more. And that brings me to my final point. Silence is surrendering. Silence has played a big part of my faith journey, but if I'm honest, it is probably my least favorite spiritual discipline. I am of evangelical Protestant Northern Irish heritage, after all. I like to do, I like to achieve, I like to get things done. And so if I must engage with spiritual disciplines, let them be the ones where I can bring my own agenda, exert even my own smallest little sense of control. Prayer, where I can use my own words. Fasting, where I can choose what to give up and for how long. But silence does not allow for any of this. Silence is the simplest act of faith. It is showing up, shutting up, and sitting still long enough to come awake to yourself and to God. Silence does not offer any guarantees. There have been times when I have known Emmanuel and times when I have felt utterly alone. Times where I have let the whirling, swirling and clamoring stop to be surprised by wonderful and miraculous changes in my head and heart and other times where silence has brought an unexpected bubbling up of anger or been a time of bracing myself against an onslaught of dark and anxious thoughts clawing to take control. And there have been many times when silence has been constantly interrupted by rising panic that I should stop sitting and start doing. I spoke at the beginning about approaching this season of Advent and Christmas to unclutter, but also to reorder to use the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude to sit in the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, and allow him to reorder our days, as well as our thinking and feeling and reacting in those days, so that we don't miss Emmanuel, those kingdom moments of God with us where what we are waiting on is so real and so tangible. The verse that Owen suggested when sending through the topic for today's sermon was from Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This was the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. 
just after he'd been baptized by John the Baptist. And this is a pattern that we will read again and again in the Gospels. Jesus is our example. Before he engaged in doing and achieving, he found silence and solitude to be with his Father, to listen and to pray. And over the past few weeks in preparing for this, I've been trying to take seriously the idea of letting God reorder my days in a desperate bid to make them more intentional and meaningful and less manic, and have found silence such a helpful way to do that. As I have sat with God, allowing myself to live awake to him and to me, waiting on his presence, it has always led to surrender, to me giving God my agenda for the day, and letting him reorder it to help me prioritize what is important from work tasks to relationships and to say yes and no where I need to. And in this, I have often found a greater sense of purpose in the small and ordinary days. And not to overquote Richard War, which I want to do, but he says this beautiful thing about surrender. Our God is the only person we can surrender to and not lose ourselves. Our God is the only person we can surrender to and not lose ourselves. This was Jesus's example and experience. One of the other things I have been so struck by in those I am passages is Jesus's unwavering sense of purpose and place, the kind that can only come from being a completely one or surrendered to the Father. Silence is surrendering to Emmanuel. Silence is coming awake to who we are and who we were really meant to be. It's waiting on Emmanuel and it is surrendering to Emmanuel. Literally, it is surrendering our words, our agenda, our demands and our desires to simply sit and be still. It is surrendering to the reality of Emmanuel, God with us in our lives and letting him reorder our days. So we're gonna do it now. We are going to have four minutes of silence. I'll begin just by a short prayer. And then this is your invitation to silence, to simply sit without words and without music in silence and allow the sediment of your life to settle and the water to become clear. So do this however you want. Close your eyes or keep them open. Just don't look intensely at someone else if they keep their eyes open. Um, hands open or hands closed, whatever you'd like. But I invite you to experience the reality of Emmanuel, God with us. And at the end of a short silence, I'll come up and close in prayer and invite the band up. So in this season of Advent, Emmanuel, God be with us. I'm going to read some words from St. John of the Cross. The Father spoke one word who was his son. And this word, he is always speaking in eternal silence. It is in silence that the soul must hear it. Just invited the band back up. So I'm just gonna pray, but I invite you maybe just in this last worship song to say, stay in the stillness and the quiet. Father God, Thank you that you invite us to silence so that we would experience the reality of Emmanuel, God with us. Teach us to live this kingdom life, this, in, this Advent, 
to come to you with deliberate emptiness and open hands so that you can meet us with fullness of flourishing life. In this season of too much, thank you that you always have more. Help us not to miss, miss that in busyness, but to see and to feel your presence this Advent season.